Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. All right, I'm excited. So this is the official beginning of our series. So I hope you guys had a chance to go through the book this week. Again, no condemnation in Christ if you didn't. But if you did, then you read about how you are loved and that you are lovable and you are loved by Abba. Now, this is so important that we have a basis understanding of this. And this actually isn't part of our identity in Christ. I know that sounds weird, but the the Bible tells us that Jesus died for us. God demonstrated his love for us in that Jesus died for us before when we were still sinners. So God loved us prior to being saved, right? He's always loved us. He created us, right? So this actually isn't a part of our identity, but the basis of our identity in Christ. It's very important that we understand that this is the that we go back to this always. When we are walking our identity out and we begin to question, we go back to, oh yeah, God loves me. 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 And we just need to keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back to that. And so it's really important that we get this, that we have a revelation of his love for us so that we can continue to walk in our true identity in Christ, right? Now, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. It's not that he has a feeling of love for us, right? God is not feeling love for us per se. It's that he is love. And we need to get this. He is love. Therefore, he can't not love us, right? If he is love and he walks that out, when we mess up, That doesn't change his love for us because he is love. And so we really need to understand that. Now, when we talk about the word love, I want you guys to understand that in the English language, we have different words for love. Or I'm sorry, in the English language, we have one word for love, right? Love. I love queso. I love my kids. I love my shoes. I love my husband. Do I love my husband like I love queso? It's true. It's close. It's close, right? It's close. But no. And and do you love your friends, your kids, your spouses, your uh, co-workers like you love your shoes? You shouldn't. If you do, you can come and talk to me after the class and we'll have a whole nother conversation, right? But these are different kinds of love, but we have one word for them. Whereas in the Greek, there are different words for love. And this word here that is used, and we've probably all heard it, is agape love, right? And that is that unconditional, self-sacrificing, humble love that puts others' desires, others' needs, others over its own desires, over its own emotions, over itself, right? Now, it's not, it's not a love that says it's, itself is no good, right? Because then that would, be, that would not be love, right? It has to love itself first, has to have that love for itself, but it puts others above themselves. Does that make sense? 
Okay, and so we have this agape love, and this is the love that we're talking about. This is a love that is not based off of feelings. Again, I think it's so hard for us sometimes because in the world that we live in so often, love, when we think of love, what do we think? That we can fall in and out of it. We think of that romantic love, that we fall in and out of it. We think of a friendship love that sometimes betrays us. We think of that kind of love, right? And this is not the God kind of love. The God kind of love is perfect. And, and it perseveres and it never fails. And, and there's so many attributes to it. I actually just did a, a series on my Friday videos. If you guys follow me, some of you do. And of course, online, you probably do. I did a whole series on love right before this because I wanted to prepare everyone. And if you haven't seen it, you should go back and watch it. Again, it's not about me, but I took and I took this God is love scripture. And if God is love and love is patient, then God is patient. If God is love and love is kind, then God is kind. And I went through all of the verse in Corinthians that, that explains to us what love and action looks like, right? And so we have this love that is an action word that does something. We see something in that. And, and so we see this love that whenever it puts itself above others, it washes his disciples' feet. In a culture where that is the lowliest of lowly jobs. This is a love that sits with tax collectors and sinners. When this love is ostracized for doing so because he's more concerned about their hearts and about showing them the truth than he is about being ostracized, right? Being made fun of, being called out. And in this love that goes all the way to the cross, that gives everything, that gives his life for sinners that are so undeserving, right? This is love. And we we see it in Jesus. We see it in his life. We see it all throughout the Bible, don't we? I love God's love. I love studying his love. I love seeing how God sent his one and only son to die for us. That is so big, right? And sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes in our everyday life, we forget about that. You know, as a pastor, I have had many, many people come to me and question God's love for them. And they've said, you know what, well, I think that God may not love me, or sometimes they'll say he's not here for me, right? They'll, they'll imply that he doesn't love them because of their feelings, because of their circumstances, and because of what they've done, right? So sometimes we, we go through periods of time in our life when we're depressed or anxious and, and people will come to me and say, Carrie, I'm just feeling so anxious. I'm so depressed. I'm just doubting that God loves me. Or maybe they're going through a circumstance in their life where they just lost their job or people are rejecting them or not treating them like, right. And, or maybe they've experienced loss in their life and they're like, well, Carrie, I just don't understand. Like if God loved me, then why is this happening to me? Right. Or maybe they'll come to me and, and they just, they fell short. They went off and they sinned and they did something. They're, they're feeling shame and they're feeling guilt and they're feeling condemnation. And they come to me and they say, Carrie, uh, uh, this is what I did. And I don't think God could ever love me. See, that they base, they base God's love off of those three things so often. And, and I think we all do. And so the golden question tonight is like, why? Why do we do that? Why do we struggle to understand God's love for us? Why do we struggle to understand the depth of his love? Why do we struggle with that? And I think one of the main things is that when we are little, 
When we are young, what happens? We are told by people that they love us or it is implied that they love us, right? Maybe we have a mom or a dad that told us that, yet they abused us. Maybe we had an aunt or an uncle that told us that, yet they treated us really bad or neglected us. Maybe we had an older sibling that took advantage of us and manipulated and controlled us. Maybe we had people in the church that hurt us bad, that humiliated us, that made us feel like we were just that little, right? And, and But it was implied or it was told to us that they loved us. And so what do we do? We put that love in this place. We're like, well, love is rejection. Love is abandonment. Love is fill in the blank, abuse, sexually, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, we can fill in the blank with whatever that is. And, and then we end up putting a guard up, don't we? We guard our heart against other people because it makes sense, right? We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to feel those things. And so we're like, well, I'm not going to love you and I'm not going to allow you to love me because this is what love looks like. And before we knowing, know it, we're doing it with God as well. And I think a lot of us have experienced that. And so we have to go back to those times in our life when we were little. We have to say, okay, God, show me, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. And see, the thing is, is whenever I first gave my life to Jesus, I had a little understanding about God's love for me. Just a little, enough to know that I needed a Savior, enough to know that He paid the price. But I really didn't have this true heart revelation of God's love. I really didn't. I really didn't understand it. But I was just getting in the door, right? And God had to teach me that. And see, because I was abused when I, I was a child, and because I had adults in my life that talked down to me, I had preachers and pastors tell me that I shamed my parents' name. I talked some last week about this. I had Sunday school teachers that really belittled me. I had a lot of people in the church that came against me. I had a prophet tell me that God said, three strikes, you're out. And, and, and these things were said to me and put on me. And because of that, I struggled. I struggled so hard. I didn't grasp God's love because I put their faces on him. And so God began to take their faces off of him. And he began to, of course, starts with forgiveness, to be honest. Like that's where it starts, right? Is with forgiveness, is, is learning to forgive the people that have hurt us, learning to really give it over to God. And, and really God showed me that I was no better than half the people, than any of the people that, that hurt me. And I was like, that was humbling, right? Is learning, oh, wow, I, I'm as much of a sinner as they were. That hurt really bad. I've hurt people too. Oh my gosh, God, I don't. So that's where it started with me. And we're not going to dig deep into that, but that's where it starts, right? As we begin to face these things, we, we see them for what they are, right? We say, okay, God, I'm like this person hurt me, this person. And we don't want to stay stuck in that because the enemy wants us to stay stuck in that. And that's the truth is he wants you to stay stuck. He wants you to keep thinking about it. He wants you to keep living in it. And he wants you to be miserable, right? Now, God loves you even if you do. Because the cool thing about God is he loves you as much as he's ever going to love you right now. That's it. It's never going to change. He loved you just as much before you were born, when you were out being a crazy sinner, if you were like me, right? Um, maybe you weren't. Maybe you were always a saint. That's great. Good for you. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord. But, you know, he loves you the same today, tomorrow, and forever. That's not going to change. You can sit on the couch and eat potato chips for the rest of your life and binge watch some cringy show on Netflix, and God will still love you the same. I don't advise that. I think that that is a miserable life. I think that you guys are all called 
called for so much more than that, but God's love for you will never change. So we have to come to that place in our life where we begin to face these things and we begin to walk through these things and we begin to look at these things and God begins to teach us and show us. And that's exactly what he did. He began to show me, Carrie, you have a choice. Are you going to forgive? Or are you going to stay stuck? Carrie, I know this person hurt you. I'm like, but God, the church hurt me. And he's like, they hurt me too, Carrie. You know, Jesus was rejected by religious people. That's, I mean, it's sad, but it's kind of cool that he can relate to us right that, like that, huh? Like that he was rejected by the church. He was rejected by people just like you and I. And so he understands and the Holy Spirit comes in and he comforts us in that. But we've got to make a decision to keep moving forward. We've got to make a decision to say, you know what, God, I'm willing to go through this. I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to heal no matter how hard it hurts. And so tonight, I'm just going to quickly go over a couple things that I wrote down that helped me in going through the process. The first thing that we can do to really have a deeper revelation of God's love for us is to study how God loves us. Okay. Study how God loves us. I love this. If you hold to my teaching, this is Jesus talking. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love the truth. Now here he is specifically talking about salvation, but he's also talking about the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So anything that he says, anything in the word of God, that is the truth. And the more that we study it, the more that that we read it, the more that we are going to be set free from the things that we are struggling in, right? And I love it because if you read through the Bible, God made a Bible full of people with different personalities. I was actually thinking about this today and I was like, God, that was brilliant because if it was me, I would have made a Bible with all of my personality and they probably would have all killed each other and there would have been nothing because that's my personality, right? They would have all gotten into wars and fights and there'd be one left <laughs> and that would be horrible, right? But God didn't do that because he's so much smarter than me. He made this book full of people with different personalities. And what happens when you read the word, you begin to relate to different people, people that have been through different things. You begin to relate to them. You're like, oh, wow. Like David went through this. I struggle with that too. Or Paul went through that. Man, that's something that I struggle with. Oh, wow, the adulterous woman. And that's what began to happen in my life. When I began to study the word, I was like, this is amazing. When, and that's why I do joke about Paul being my Bible boyfriend. Because there was something that happened to me when I began to read his story about how he persecuted the church. He persecuted Christians. And part of the way is what they were called back then. But he literally killed and persecuted them. And I did the same thing because I hated the church. And I was like, wow, God still used him. Even with his crazy personality that was a little bit controlling and out there, God still used him. And then I read the story about the adulterous woman. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's an amazing story because see, I had three kids from three different dads when I gave my life to Jesus. And that was hard for me. Like I had Put, I had been told so many things about how messed up I was and how shameful that was. And I carried that around with me. And whenever I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't let go of that right away. And I thought that God's love was dependent on me fixing that. I don't, I don't know how you fix that, but you can't go back, right? And I loved my kids, but I just, I struggled. I struggled with that. And I was just like, God, I can't, I don't even know how to pay for this. He's like, I already did. <laughs> 
right? Amen. I already did. But when I read that story about that woman, that Jesus met her where she was at. Now he didn't let her stay stuck there. And that's the part that we often don't talk about as teachers is that he said, all right, I don't condemn you woman, but he's like, go and send no more. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. Lord. Like now I'm surrendered to you. Now I still sin. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not claiming that one bit, but what I'm saying is that my heart is, my heart is surrendered to the father. And I'm like, you know what, God, like the rest of my life, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to put you above everything else. But it all started with me reading the Bible, not going and hearing other people read the Bible, but actually sitting down and just saying, God, show me. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I feel so broken and so alone and so much like a misfit and so just out there and so by myself, God, like, I don't even know. Like, nobody in this world can relate to me. I didn't feel like anybody understood me. But in reading that, I saw God's love for other people. I saw how Jesus loved women. This is a testament for us. In a culture that women were pushed out to the margins, Jesus went in and he used them for great things and he talked to them like they were humans. He did not talk down to them, right? He went up under them and he lifted them up and he said, I don't care what the culture is saying. I don't care if I'm going to get persecuted for it. You women, you are precious to me and you have purpose. Amen. So the first thing we can do is study how God loves us. The second thing is to renew your mind. And this comes from Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be transformed by the renewing mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's the thing. When we give our lives to Christ, our mind, yes, we have the mind of Christ, but we have to change it because there's so many strongholds in there. Whenever I was younger, I was told so many things. I was like the ultimate target, right? I was tall, lanky, buck teeth. I was just like, yeah, you know, I was that girl. So like target to be picked on target to be made fun of. And I was told a lot of things and a lot of things were done to me and I messed up a lot. And there was so much and that there were thoughts in my head that he become strongholds. I would go around thinking what's wrong with me. Nobody loves me. I'm not good enough. Like I could never be like this person. I could never be like that person. And I struggled with that. And so when I gave my life to Christ and God began to show this to me, he's like, Carrie, you have to renew your mind. You have to literally, instead of thinking those thoughts, you have to purposely think good things thoughts. You have to think truth. You have to purposely replace those thoughts with the truth of the word of God, right? You have to fight the good fight of faith because guess what? We have an enemy that will sit on our shoulder and he will whisper and he will whisper. He will say, Carrie, look at what you did back there. You're so bad. Nobody, nobody loves you. God couldn't love you. Nobody ever did. Look at that. Your, your, your ex-husband walked out. On, he cheated on you and he walked out on you. He, 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 yeah, you're not lovable. How could God love you? And no man's ever going to love you like that ever again, right? That's what he does. He sits there and he lies to us over and over. And these thoughts become a pattern in our head. And so we, we have a choice. We can sit there and we can thank them and we can just, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not lovable. And I guess I'll just go over here and eat my potato chips and binge watch. No, the flash on Netflix. That's a really good series, by the way. Um, if you're a nerd like that, <laughs> right? But you know, that's not God's best for us. He wants us to fight the good fight of faith. This is where, again, we open up the word of God, God because what sets us free? 
The truth, the word, the truth, the word, not the lies, not the strongholds, not the things that people told us all our life. The truth is what is going to set us free. And so we open up our Bibles. And if you don't know the word, it's okay. We have Google, we have Safari, like just get on your phone and put in scriptures about God's love for me. And I guarantee you things will pop up. One of them being Romans 5, 8. The one I said earlier, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you write that down, put post-it notes all over your house if you have to. Tattoo it on your forehead if you, you might do it backwards so you can see it in the mirror the right way, right? But tattoo it on your forehead if you have to. Get it into you. Stand in front of the mirror and say, God loves me. He died for me when I was still a sinner. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do anything for it. All I have to do is accept it, right? Or maybe he'll give you Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you begin to say that out loud. I, I believe that no matter what my ex said, no matter how many kids I had out of wedlock, no matter what people told me when I was a child, no matter what that prophet told me about God giving up on me, no matter anything in my life, God's love, that can't separate me from God's love. No matter what is said, no matter what is done, nothing, 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 nothing can separate me from the love of God. Does that make sense? And we begin to fight. We begin to say these things out loud. We have to fight, ladies. Like, I don't know why everybody thinks Christianity is so passive. It is not passive. It is a fighting faith. That's why we call it the sword of the spirit, because that's what it is. It is a sword and we use it not to go and fight people physically, but we use it to fight spiritually, right? We use it so that we can break down those strongholds in our mind. And when we say them over and over and over and over, you say them every day until you begin to believe it every day, every day. You look in the mirror. I remember back whenever I used to watch Saturday Night live back in my pre-Jesus days, there was one that was like very smiley and he'd be like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me. Ah, there are people know it. Yes. It's so good in the nineties, I think. But anyway, and, and there's truth to that, right? Not like that, but putting God in there, like God loves me. He died for me when I was still a sinner. Nothing can separate me from his love. And you begin to quote these things out loud, say them out loud. I don't know how crazy I've looked over the years and how many times my secret place, my quiet place is up in my room and we like can see Pike's Peak in the winter and it's beautiful, but I'll have the windows open sometimes and that's where I do my fighting. So I know my neighbors, I'm surprised they haven't called like someplace on me yet because sometimes I'm just up there and I'm just fighting because I struggle too. And the enemy still comes after me today. Now I will tell you, I can recognize his lies a lot faster. I know his tactics because I've studied the word and I know when he's coming after me. Sometimes I don't immediately go in and say, no, I'm not going to believe that today. Right. Sometimes I like to throw my pity party. So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm perfect. But for the most part, God brings me back around because I don't want to live a destructive life. I don't want to live in defeat. I want to walk in the freedom that Jesus paid for me to have. 
He's already paid for it, guys. We're all free. We are free from everything. Did you know that? Like we are 100% free from everything, but we have to choose to walk in it. I actually had a vision a few years ago. This is so cool. Ah, this is so good. This is so good. I had this vision a few years ago, and it was like this old dusty church, and there were people chained up. Like it was like, no, it was a prison. I'm sorry, not a church. Um, you're like chained up at a church. It was a prison and they were chained up. It was like the old um, Bible prisons, right? It was just real dark and dusty. And I don't know how I picture it anyway. And they're chained and they're sitting on the ground and their hands are in shackles and their feet are in shackles. And then all of a sudden this light comes over this prison and most of the people were free. Right. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, and I'm watching this vision that God gave me in my mind's eye. But then I noticed that only a couple of people got up and walked out. And I was like, well, why, if you are set free, would you just sit there? The other people just sat there. They weren't chained. Nothing, nothing was holding them. And I was like, God, what was that about? He was like, this is my church, Carrie. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's still sitting as if they're in bondage, but they're free. And I'm like, what are we going to do about this, Lord? And he's like, you're going to teach them. And so here I am teaching you how to walk out your freedom, how to walk out that God loves you every day, no matter what you do, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's been done to you, it's it's time to start walking that out. Amen.